0: The Weekend Warrior, every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m.
1: On ESPN LA 710.
0: Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court. The field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Robert Clapper.
2: Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 33 years and counting. What a busy week I had this week. Seeing patients yesterday in the operating room all day. I had Wednesday off because it was Yom Kippur. The last time someone had the day off for Yom Kippur in the world of sports was Sandy Koufax. But I had the day off. The ORs were closed. Cedars-Sinai, my hospital, celebrates that that, uh, holiday in the taking the day off. So I went surfing, and I'll tell you all about that. But I'm so excited for today's guest. At 8.15, calling in is Jason. He's the Jason from Jason of Beverly Hills. He's a jeweler. He makes the rings, the championship rings that Kobe Bryant and Shaq got, that Powell and Kobe got, and that our beloved Rams got last year for winning their championship. Yep, he somehow figured out how to be the go-to person for designing the rings that you wear when you win in professional sports. And the reason they call him is because he is so creative as an artist and understands the world of sports. These professional athletes are not chasing trophies. They're not chasing championships. They're actually chasing rings. And so it made me think all week long the power and the meaning of a ring in the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery, and in the world of food. Don't forget food. There's more going on than the world the in the world of a ring or the meaning of a ring than just the physicality of putting it on your finger. It means so much. It's a circle. There's a hole in it. Wait till you hear the sound bites. Rebecca has put together for us, and the great Tyler is with us this morning as well. This show's going to be—it's almost too much show. I got too much to talk about because even the clapper vision that I want to do about Tua Tungavaloa and his concussion—what exactly is a concussion? What happened to him? Well, I'm going to tell you right now—it involves a ring in your head. And it's also the same ring that was damaged when Steve Kerr had headaches after his back surgery, which led to a leak of cerebrospinal fluid, CSF, causing headaches. He, could, he was dizzy. He could barely stand up. Believe it or not, that has everything to do with what happens in a concussion and what happened to Tua Tungvaloa. And I'll explain a little later in the show with some Clapper vision. At 8.30, we'll start taking your calls. So if you've got issues with your musculoskeletal system, your knee, your hip, your shoulder, your ankle, your foot, your back, your neck, your elbow, your wrist, your hand, can you imagine all the things i got to know? That's right. I know every single bone in the body. I know every single artery, vein, nerve in the body. And it's not on my phone. It's not something I Google. It's the Google between my ears. All of that has to go into your head if you're going to be a doctor, and not just any doctor, a great doctor, because that's what this is all about. Whatever you're going to do with your life, don't just do it. You want to be the best at it. So when I started thinking, the power of a ring in the world of art, I couldn't help but think of this lady. Because like
0: it, you should have put a ring on it. If you like it, you should have put a ring on type. it. you The one and
2: only, Beyoncé Knowles, who's now Beyoncé Jay-Z, whatever their last name is. Mrs. Jay-Z. But let me tell you something. Forget about him being Jay-Z. He's Mr. Beyoncé, as far as I'm concerned. But if you like it, you better put a ring on it. And she got married to him. She did accomplish that. Because it does matter. You should have a ring on your finger if you're married. I'm old-fashioned, but it matters. But wait till you hear the history of the wedding ring. Did you know it started 3,000 years ago with the Egyptians? But it wasn't till the 1940s that men started wearing wedding rings. Can you imagine? For 3,000 years, women had wedding rings. And it took till 1940 for men to wear wedding rings. Do you know why? Men started wearing a wedding ring in 1940 and didn't before then? Yeah, you listen to the show, I'm going to tell you why. And what about the world of sports? Where's that ring, that power and meaning of a ring in sports? Who's the best at it? Who's the greatest ringleader, the master of the ring? Well, it's Phil Jackson, because he's got 11 of them. And when he wrote his biography, he didn't call it 11 championships. He didn't call it 11 trophies. The name of the book is 11 Rings. And the cover of this book, which I put on Twitter, by the way, if you want to see what it looks like, is a photograph of all 11 rings he won. Six with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and five with Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. When he joined the Lakers, he held hands before every game started and made the whole team join hands and make a ring. And their motto, their chant, was one, two, three rings. Because Phil Jackson, and you're going to hear, I'm going to read a quote of what the ring really meant to him. But wait till you hear when John Sally sits down with Phil Jackson and says, I played against Michael Jordan when I was on the Detroit Pistons. I know exactly what that team was all about. That young man was a good player, but you made him better. How'd you make him better? Phil Jackson talks about teaching Michael Jordan how to embrace the value of your teammates. You're not just going to win the scoring title because you're never going to win a ring. But wait till you hear Phil Jackson, the ringmaster, in his Hall of Fame speech, almost contradicting himself because he's still a ringmaster, giving credit to Michael Jordan for Michael Jordan's insight. You'll hear him say that. In realizing you had to pass the ball and play with your teammates to win a ring. But what he tells John Sally is not that. It's fascinating to me because he's retired. He's not coaching anymore. But he's still trying to tell you and teach us how to spin it just like a ring. What about the world of surgery? I was thinking about it yesterday as I did. Two hip replacements, two knee replacements, and a reverse shoulder replacement. What a day I had. It was awesome. One of the patients has an allergy to metal, to nickel. How the hell am I going to do surgery? Replace her hip? Put an implant in if she's allergic to nickel? I'll tell you how I figured that one out because I did yesterday. She's going to be 20 years younger because no more hip pain. And what an interesting knee surgery I did on a man who's a brittle diabetic. Bone on bone. His legs were so crooked, it's like a pretzel. And he needs both done, but I'm a big fan of doing them one at a time. Tony Danza did both at the same time, but I still like to talk people out of it. Dude, you should do one at a time. It's easier on you. And I told him in pre-op, I said, you know, you're going from being bow-legged to straight. Get ready. Your leg's going to feel longer because it went from being crooked to straight. He had the biggest smile on his face. Oh, that'll be great, Dr. Clapper. I want to be taller. I said, yeah, but we're going to make you taller one leg at a time. Don't worry. We'll do the other side. You'll make it equal. Okay, fine. And then I said to him, you're right. Because I learned from the best. My father, the carpenter, Measure twice, cut once. And what about the world of food? Where's the power, the meaning of a ring in food? I could take the easy way out and show you a picture of a donut on Twitter. But I'm not doing that because I actually have a favorite ring, the most powerful ring in my life, in food. And you know what it is? It's a babka. You know what a babka is? B-A-B-K-A. I grew up eating these things. It's a gigantic, round pastry. It's a cake with a hole in the middle. And veins, just like the marble I work in, those veins in the white marble. There's veins, deep, thick veins of blackness, which is the darkest chocolate you can find. My whole life I'm in search of the perfect slice of pizza, the perfect chocolate babka. Well, I found it. And it's here in L.A. It's better than anyone I've ever had in New York. How do you like that? It's like the best pastrami ain't in New York. It's here in L.A. at Langer's. My mouth is watering already. I can't even speak because I'm thinking about the chocolate babka that's here in L.A. And you're going to have to drive to go get it. But it'll be worth it. Literally, it must weigh 20 pounds when you hold it because it's that thick and heavy with chocolate. What a show. It's been making me excited a whole week thinking about it because this topic is so pure and so clear to me. And I got to talk about, I hope I have time during the show. There's, a, there's an obituary that I read this week. Maybe this is a good time to tell you about it. Of someone, talk about a rink and bringing people together. You're all very aware of my favorite charity, which is the Ronald McDonald House. Okay, it's McDonald's. Ronald McDonald is a clown. It does good things for kids. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's really great. I mean, it's my favorite charity. But this week, we saw the passing. At age 97, she had a full life of a superstar. We all want Michael Jordan's autograph. We all want LeBron James's autograph. These are our heroes, right? But the real hero, the people that you would never in your wildest dreams think of asking for an autograph are people like the ones I'm about to talk about. Her name was Audrey Evans. 97 years old, she passed away in Philadelphia because that's where she was from. This beautiful woman, was a pediatrician, but not just a pediatrician. Her specialty was children who had cancer. And I'm going back to the 60s and 70s. She's doing something with kids that nobody else is doing. So she's working at the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. She doesn't know one end of a football from another. She doesn't know that in her town of Philadelphia is a football team called the Philadelphia Eagles. And the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles from 1965 to 1971 is a guy named Fred Hill who unfortunately has a daughter who has leukemia. Fred Hill, because of his daughter, starts raising money for leukemia gets his teammates involved, and gets the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, Leonard Tose, involved. And they start raising money. Now they have the money. They have no idea what to do with it. Where should they give it? Should they just give it to, you know, a national charity? Nobody will ever see it like they want it to be seen locally. So they come up with a great idea. Let's give it to someone who's doing good work here locally in Philadelphia. So they come up with the idea... Let's give it to the Children's Hospital. And who's in charge of leukemia at the Children's Hospital here in Philadelphia? Audrey Evans. This is directly from the New York Times. Listen to this. Jim Murray, then Mr. Tose's right-hand man and later the team's general manager, recalled introducing himself. He said in a phone interview he had to explain that the Eagles were the local pro football team to Dr. Audrey Evans. She had no idea who she's talking to or what a football team was. It didn't mean much to her. She was unfamiliar with the sport. But Mr. Murray got her full attention when he told her he had some money to put toward a charitable cause. She thought of the families of her patients who would sometimes sleep in their cars or hospital hallways when they brought their children in for treatment. She said she'd love to see a house where these families could stay. Mr. Murray approached an ad man, Don Tuckerman, who handled the account for Philadelphia's McDonald's restaurants, which were promoting Shamrock Shakes at the time, and asked the franchise might donate 25 cents to the cause for each one sold. Instead, McDonald's offered all the proceeds from that promotion with the provision that the Philadelphia house be named after the company's familiar clown character and then took the program national. There's now 380 Ronald McDonald houses all over America and all over the world where parents can stay. But the very first one in 1974 was in Philadelphia because a woman who had no idea what a football was meets the football team, and tells him this is what we need. Audrey Evans passed away this week. But what a gift and legacy she's left us. This show that you listen to every Saturday is about the blending of the world that I love of art, of sports, and medicine, surgery. Audrey Evans was a weekend warrior. Just like you and me. What an amazing person. May she rest in peace. Coming up next, let's get into the power of a ring in the world of sports. You're going to hear it from the man himself, the great Phil Jackson. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Look, Bumble
3: knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and...
2: this up.
0: Weekend Warrior is on the air from
1: the epicenter of sports in the Southland
0: ESPN LA 777 7, with Dr. Robert
3: Clapper, board certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedar Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the weekend warrior show with Dr. Clapper.
2: So the Clapper was looking at the Flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was?
3: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
2: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to be with you each and every Saturday. Thanks for telling your friends, your families. You now are the orthopedic surgeons in your family because you could use some Clapper vision, right? Oh, better better listen to Dr. Clapper. He'll tell you what's the matter with you. And I see patients all week long have waited months to come see me. And it's such a joy for me to be able to Meet you in person when the time comes. Don't forget, you're all either pre-op or post-op. Today's show, literally too much show. We got the topic is just so fabulous and so big. And at eight fifteen, Jason of Jason of Beverly Hills is going to be my guest. He designed the L.A. Rams ring and all the Laker championship rings. This is his niche. This is his gift in life. It's to be an artist in the world of jewelry. And so I thought, where in sports? Is it more than just a ring that you're winning? Is it better than the trophy? Is it better than a championship? This is from Phil Jackson's book, Eleven Rings. Remember, he grew up in Montana. He, he's dealing with Native American. His parents were ministers, but he got to see firsthand tribal life. So he writes in his book, most of the players weren't that familiar with Native American psychology, but they understood intuitively the deeper meaning of the ring. Early in the season, the players had created a chant. They would shout before each game, their hands joined together in a circle. One, two, three, ring! After the players had taken their places on the stage, the Lakers' portable basketball court from the Staples Center, I stood and addressed the crowd. What was our motto on this team? The ring. I said, flashing my ring from the last championship we won. The ring, that was the motto. It's not just the band of gold. It's the circle that makes a bond between all these players. A great love for one another. Yeah, the ring to Phil Jackson, it's everything. So listen to this unbelievable interview with John Sally about the man who got him his ring, Michael Jordan. Here's John Salley.
1: In reading your book, it explains to me why everyone thinks Michael Jordan is the greatest. Uh, Cause you do. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I guess because I went against you so many years that I had built up uh, a resistance yeah. on thinking how great Michael was until I read it in your book, the ways he would think, the way he would readjust. And one of the things I'm so happy that the guys didn't read the book yet because they're going to be using this now is Tex winner would yell to Michael, there's no I in, me, in team. And Michael would say, yeah, but it is in win.
2: I'm I'm here to tell you. There's also an I in Ring. R-I-N-G.
1: And that's the funniest. <laughs> As is, that right there is the best line. And I, I could imagine MJ saying that. But you were able to get this kid to become better than he already was. How do you do that?
4: It was an expansive view. Michael had a limited viewpoint of his own
2: teammates. Did you hear that? Michael had a limited viewpoint of his own teammates. I want you to remember that because I'm going to play you in a second his Hall of Fame speech where he actually says Michael had insight into his need to pass. But here he's telling you that he had no insight into that. He contradicts himself. I love it because he's still... Spin in the story, he's still the ringmaster.
4: And you see, you know, the foibles, the weakness of your own teammates. You're with them all the time. And, you know, at some level you have to say, you know, this guy's really good. He does this really well. He does, he makes timely shots. He makes good passes and whatnot. We're not gonna focus on the fact that maybe he can't handle the ball under pressure Maybe he gets a little nervous taking the ball inbounds. Maybe there's a defensive lapse. He doesn't move his feet quick enough in this situation. We'll cover for him because that's what we are. We're a team. We're a team. The initial conversation I had with MJ was you've been averaging 37, 38 points a game. You've been winning MVP awards, but you're not getting there. And I don't think anybody that won a scoring championship has also won a Uh, NBA championship. And that's the most important thing, right? Right. So we established that. And then I said, so I want you to realize you're not going to be getting as many touches or taking as many shots.
2: So this is him giving him insight. It's not coming from Michael Jordan. It's coming from Phil Jackson. The power, the meaning of a ring, of sharing the ball, holding hands. You're a team. You can't do it yourself. said, 32 points a game? I can do that and still win win the scoring
4: title. That would be no problem for me. I'd take five points off my average or whatever, you know? I said, well, that's only three or four shots, isn't it? Well, he said, maybe it's five or six. But (laughs) anyway, the idea that I brought to him was the spotlight's always on you. And so what happens, you get against a good team like Detroit, and that spotlight's on you. You have the ball. The ball's the spotlight.
2: Did you hear that? The idea that I brought to him. He didn't have the idea. Phil Jackson brought the idea to Michael Jordan. This is just unbelievable. And as soon as you put it down on the floor,
4: they have three guys that collapse on you. You're not gonna get there. So we have to abuse you as a decoy at certain times in the game where people will go with you and other people will have easier shots. And you have to trust your teammates to be able to make them better. And you'll be able to do that. And he bought into it.
2: He bought into the idea he gave him. Okay, now let's go to Phil Jackson's Hall of Fame speech. And listen very carefully when he starts to say, Thank you for this lovely honor, blah, blah, blah. I went to the Chicago Bull, blah, blah. But it wasn't for Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's Insight. Are you kidding me? Listen to this.
4: My thanks to Jerry's, both Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause, for trusting a person that was inexperienced to take over the Chicago Bulls team that roared to some great successes in the decade of the 90s. It was a result, of course, of the magnificent play of Michael Jordan, who had the insight to incorporate his teammates, those lesser angels, into his realm. Also to Scottie Pippen, who is a dynamic duo alongside of Michael Jordan. Both of them great offensive and defensive players.
2: I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Telling telling us all at his Hall of Fame that Michael Jordan had the insight. Are you kidding me? Obviously, that's what happened. But that's the power, the true meaning of the ring holding hands, playing as a team. It's so meaningful that that is what you win for playing like a ring, like a circle, like a ring of fire, just like Johnny Cash talks about it. It's more than just you. Those Native Americans were right. Phil Jackson writes in his book, on a psychological level, the ring symbolizes something profound, the quest of the self to find harmony, connection, and wholeness. In Native American culture, for instance, the unifying power of the circle was so meaningful that whole nations were conceived as a series of interconnected rings or hoops. The teepee was a ring, as were the campfire, the village, and the layout of the nation itself, circles within circles, having no beginning or end. Coming up next, I'm going to teach you that it actually all started with the Egyptians 3,000 years ago, figuring out how important that ring is that Beyonce sings about when you get married. But it's also when you win a championship. It's also me in the operating room making a ring of sterility. All the tools, the patient on the table, the surgeon, the nurses, the assistants. It's a force field. You cannot penetrate that ring of sterility for fear of infection. That circle is really what life is all about. And coming up next, you're going to hear the story. The story that will blow you away of why we wear a wedding band and where it came from. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
0: Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air from
1: the epicenter of sports in the Southland.
0: ESPN LA 777. 7, With Dr.
3: Robert Clapper, Ford Certified Orthopedic Surgeon at Cedar Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant.
2: When I see the food, I eat it. Bada boom. Start your weekend off right.
3: Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
2: I'm on a light diet. I only eat when it's
3: light out. Bada boom. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Love
0: is a burning thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes, makes
4: a fire. Ring. Ring.
2: Look out, Johnny, you're going to fall into a ring of fire.
4: By wild desire mm-hmm.
0: I fell into a ring of fire, fire. I, I fell into a burning ring of, ring of fire I went
4: down, down, down And the flames burn went higher And it burns,
2: burns, burns
4: The ring of fire The ring
2: of fire Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Rebecca, we should play Alicia Keys singing This Girl's on Fire because she pronounces the word like a New Yorker properly. Fire. That girl's on fire. F-I-A-H. But when you listen to Johnny Cash sing it right there, he says, he almost is saying furry, like a furry mink coat. A ring of fire. He, I can't even say the word. <laughs> to me, it's F-I-A-H. It's fire, but it's really about the rings. Can you imagine coming up with this crazy topic because Jason of Beverly Hills is going to call in? But once again, whenever I think, what am I going to do with this topic? It's just beautiful as it unfolds. Each day I think about what other connections are there and they just keep coming. So it fascinated me because I thought of okay, put a ring on it, right? That's Beyonce. Here she is being interviewed. She's so happy. She finally got married. Because she got a ring on her finger. Listen to this.
5: All single lady.
1: now put your hands up, up. in the club, Just up, up. I'm doing
0: my Right, single ladies. It's basically Put a ring on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's something that a lot of women go through every single day, and they'll finally have their anthem. And I, once again, the guys are going to be upset with me. <laughs> what saying, you know, I'm a woman, I'm
2: married. I'm married because she got a ring on it. And now I started to think, what is a wedding ring that she's writing a whole song about? An engagement ring. Where the hell did this come from? Oh boy, listen to this story. The tradition of exchanging rings dates
5: back 3,000 years ago. Egyptian pharaohs were the first to use rings to represent eternity due to the circle not having a beginning or ending. The shape also reflects the sun and moon, which the Egyptians worshipped. The space in the middle of the ring represented a gateway to the unknown. The Egyptian Ouroboros rings portrayed a serpent swallowing its tail, representing the eternal cycle of things. Mm. The Ouroboros is one of the oldest symbols in the world, and its name means tail
2: devourer in Greek. So it starts... With the Egyptians 3,000 years ago and the pharaohs, jewelry, a serpent biting its tail, making a, a ring. Well, Alex the Great comes along and now the Greeks are in charge of the world. When Alexander the Great conquered the Egyptians, the
5: Greeks adopted the tradition of giving rings to their lovers to represent devotion. Many of these rings depicted Eros or Cupid, the god of love. When the Romans conquered Greece, they picked up on this tradition as well and began using iron and copper rings in marriage ceremonies. Hmm. The iron rings sometimes had key motifs to symbolize that the wife now had control over the household goods. By the second century, however, most rings were gold. Gold rings became more fancy over
2: the centuries because they showed up how rich the giver was. Did you ever wonder why you put the wedding band on your ring finger, thank you very much, on your left hand? Because the Egyptians had no idea about real anatomy. It wasn't until 1543 that Vesalius actually dissected human beings and wrote his anatomy textbook which I did my senior thesis on at Columbia, by the way. But until then, they made up all kinds of mishigas about how the the body works. In so much that they thought that your left ring finger had a vein in it that went directly to your heart. And they had a, a crazy name, Vina Amora. None of this is true. We know it's not true. But still, we wear it on the ring finger on the left hand. This is what's so hilarious about us as human beings. Ridiculous. Those
5: Egyptians were really good at choosing symbolic reasons to wear the rings. They decided that the ring finger contained a vena amoris, or vein of love, which led directly to the heart. The Romans were all down with that belief as well, which just goes to show you that neither knew any anatomy because it's not true.
2: But we're still rocking that tradition. We're still rocking that tradition. That's a good way of putting it, even though it's completely not true. Oh my God.
5: After a few hundred years, medieval Europeans started putting rubies in their rings to symbolize passion, sapphires for the heavens and diamonds for steadfast strength. Around the 1600s, couples started wearing bands during the engagement period. During the wedding ceremony, the groom placed his band on the bride's finger, uniting the wedding bands in a match set. Also in the 1600s, we started to see poetry inscribed inside and outside of the wedding band. In the 12th century, the Christian church declared marriage to be a holy sacrament and established a church ceremony. Rings were a part of the ceremony and it became the rule that no man should place any type of ring on a woman's hand unless he meant to get married. Before this, rings didn't always signify marriage. They're often given as tokens of devotion or to represent betrothal. This is when two types of rings emerged, the engagement ring and wedding ring. Now, women have been wearing wedding rings for thousands of years, but it didn't quite catch on for men to wear wedding
2: bands. So when did men start wearing wedding rings? That's a good question. When did men... 3,000 years, women are wearing a wedding band. Do you know when... men started to do it? Thank you, 1940. Are you kidding? Thousands of years later, finally the men catch up. It wasn't until World War II that
5: men started to regularly wear wedding rings. The tradition only caught on when American and European soldiers wore wedding rings as a way to remember their wives and sweethearts back home. The tradition continued through the Korean War, and after this, wedding rings for men caught on among civilians. Now, remember when I mentioned that back in medieval times, people started using precious stones in their rings? Well, up until the 1940s, diamonds were just one of many gems that people used as engagement
2: stones. Their wild popularity is mainly due to De Beers, The beers, the diamond guys. Listen to this story. Why do we put a diamond as an engagement ring? These guys are geniuses but the diamond company that controlled the majority of the world's diamonds at the
5: time. When people stopped buying diamonds during the economic downturn of the 1930s, De Beers launched an epic marketing campaign. They showered diamonds on Hollywood actresses like Marilyn Monroe to make diamonds glamorous symbols of romance. De Beers also came up with the still popular slogan, diamonds are forever. And De Beers' marketing campaign worked like crazy. Listen to what happened here and in China over the years. In the US alone, the percentage of brides who received a diamond ring jumped from just 10% in 1939 all the way up to 80% in 1990. Once De Beers started marketing in China, the percentage of Chinese brides who received diamond engagement rings jumped from nearly none in 1990 to more than 50% in 2019. Wedding rings symbolized commitment, love, and devotion, and in the past, they signified a contract between the couples and their families. They were tokens or even security deposits that showed a man's promise was as good as gold.
2: Unbelievable. There is meaning and power in a ring. At 815, Jason, his real name is Jason Arashaban, but he's called Jason of Beverly Hills. He's going to give us a little more detail about the power of a ring because he makes them. But in our world of sports, in our world of art, and in my world of surgery, it's more than just a circle. There's, there's more going on in that ring. Coming up next, I'll take you into the operating room. I want to do some clap revision to a tongue of a low and explain the ring around our brain that's involved when it's working well and involved when there's a concussion. And we also need to talk about food, my favorite, babka. I'll take your calls at 830, so save them up. The number is 877 espn You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality
3: at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping
2: Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
0: This up, Weekend Warrior is on the air
1: from the epicenter of sports in the Southland.
0: ESPN LA seven, seven, seven ten. ten with Dr. Robert Clapper, board certified orthopedic
2: surgeon at Cedar Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. He's infectious, and I can say that because I'm a doctor.
3: Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper,
2: Roberto Clapperio. Every Saturday morning from seven to
3: nine a.m. on ESPN seven ten. Home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Players,
2: to mm-hmm. 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 Guys, what to- Welcome back, weekend warriors. That's the great Bruno Mars. 24 karat magic. 24 carats. I'm not so sure you want the ring. You want 18 carats because it's too soft. I've been married 39 years. I think probably within the first year, my ring went goodbye. Because as a surgeon, I got to be sterile. I got to wash my hands. Five surgeries yesterday. I got to wash my hands, put gloves on. So if you're going to wear your wedding band, God, there was a shoulder surgeon. He's still alive, still around, named Steve K. I love him. He's about four years, five years older than me. A really, really good friend and a great, great shoulder surgeon. He was the best, though, because he would take his wedding band off his ring finger and take the drawstring of his scrubs I'd be at the scrub sink, Any meticulous guy, truly, just a fantastic surgeon. He would take the ring off his finger before every case and string it through the drawstring of his scrubs, tie it, and then start scrubbing. Case would be over. He'd meticulously take the ring off, put it on, and then if he scrubbed on another case, he'd do the whole thing over. Somehow, 40 years, he's, ma- he's never lost his ring. I lost mine within the first year because I, I can't keep track of where the hell the ring is and taking it off and scrubbing and all the rest of it. But it is a tribute to my friend Steve Kay that he was able to do this. I really want to do some clap revision. I'll do it with the Weekend Warriors at 8.30. We'll take the calls. The number is 877 espn But it's important for us to focus and to teach and to learn What exactly is a concussion? What happens to the brain? What is the brain doing up there in our skull? What is the anatomy really all about? And this is where I want to connect the dots with Steve Kerr. He has a herniated disc in his back. He has a back surgery, a discectomy, laminectomy. So you make an incision in the skin. You go deeper, you see the bone of the spine and all the structures, and I can get into what it's like to do a discectomy, but I'll do that at another time. But the bottom line is is you've got to be very careful near the spinal cord because it's a pouch of nerves, looks like spaghetti strands, but they are swimming in fluid. So your knee has synovial fluid. Right, there's is liquid that makes this lubricating way of moving our joints, synovial fluid. Well, the spine has CSF, cerebro, which is the brain, spinal, which is your spinal cord fluid, that surrounds the spaghetti strands in your lower back. And if you somehow tear the dura, the, the saran wrap bag that holds the fluid around the nerves, now the bag has a hole in it and the fluid can leak. That causes tremendous headaches and dizziness. Even though you're working in the lower back, you get dizziness and headaches way up in your head. What is that all about? Well, here's the reason, and this is why it's connected to Tua Tunga Valoa. Our brain literally floats in a pool So there's the clapper vision. You turn the water on in your bathtub and you fill the bathtub with water. It's CSF, it's fluid. You now get into the bathtub and you're surrounded by the water. Your brain is the exact same thing as you in the bathtub, it's floating in a pool of CSF. The coconut on the outside, your skull, is bone. I get it. But there is a, a ring of fluid that surrounds your brain. It floats in. Now, you say to yourself, well, why is that? There's a few reasons. One, you want your blood vessels, your arteries and your veins that are in your brain to be able to be maximally able to expand for circulation. There cannot be any compression on the brain because that would interrupt the flow of blood. So when you're floating in this pool of liquid, blood vessels can maximally expand. They don't have any compression on them. What also lives in that bathtub of fluid are all the nutrients and the ability to fight infections, the immunoglobulins, they are all floating within that liquid. But here's the beauty also. Because the brain is not up against the bone, the inside of your skull, you can turn your head Rotate your head, bend your head forwards and backwards. And it's this ultimate shock absorber of fluid. What's really interesting is in the boxing ring, Max Kellerman would know this, my good friend, that when you get punched, you get punched in the front, in the face, we oftentimes see injury to the brain on the other side. You can look it up. It's called coup contra coup, C-O-U-P, Coup-contra-coup, where you get hit in the front, but the damage to the brain is in the back because the brain literally moves violently with a punch or to a t- of Iloa with his helmet on even, the back of his head hitting the ground so hard. Now the brain in that pool of liquid is sloshing around like you in the bath, sloshing around, hitting the inside of the bone of the skull. And it's not necessarily in the spot where the direct contact is made. It could be coup contra coup It could be actually on the other side, even though the blow was in the front. If you lose any of that fluid, like a leak from spine surgery, now the brain is touching the inside of the bone. The vessels can compress, which they're not supposed to. Dizzy, headaches unstable gait or in the case of a blow or bruise to the brain you will have that staggered gait that we saw with tuatunga valoa so brain injury is all about that ring today's topic is the ring well here's the ring in medicine and the clapper vision that surrounds the brain itself it is dangerous And what we do know is you can't necessarily diagnosis, it doesn't necessarily show up on an MRI or a brain scan. But you better not go back and do it right away again because your brain is at risk. How long do you stay out of play? No one really knows. But you certainly don't want to have one concussion and then go play a football game four days later and do it again. That, no bueno. That is not good. So let's hope he's excited to be showing his skills to it he's having the best year of his life. But we have a responsibility as doctors. The NFL has a responsibility as a league to protect the players sometimes from themselves. One of the first things we do on the sidelines when we suspect someone's had a concussion, we take their helmet away. Because if you don't, that player will take their helmet and say, I'm fine now, coach, and go running back on the field. No, you're not. You literally have to take their helmet away because at least then they can't go back on the field. And it's great to see that the NFL Players Association and the NFL immediately this weekend, they're already changing the protocol because it needs to be done. The power of a ring on your finger to strive for as an athlete, to write a song about, it represents really life itself, the continuation, birth to death, that ring of life. There's certainly more going on symbolically. And I find it fascinating to be able to talk to someone at 8.15 who's not just making a band of gold, but putting ornate, pictures on it the la rams Super Bowl ring which jason designed i don't know if you know this but the outside of the ring is the logo with different jewels probably sapphire and diamonds and gold because that's the color of the rams the blue and gold but did you know there's a magnet on the underneath the face of that ring and you lift up the face of that ring and guess what you see now inside the ring You see the SoFi Stadium field. It is remarkable, and it's so innovative and creative. And the person who dreamed this up is going to be our guest at 8.15. So I cannot wait to go deeper into the meaning and the power of a ring in life. And coming up next, you'll hear stories of that life in art, in sports, in surgery. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.